King Hell and Skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win, for we're from Tigerland. We never weaken till the Good day, everybody, and welcome to the seventh edition of Tiger Tragics. Mitchell Scott is my name. Sitting opposite me is Carl Bianco. G'day, Carl. G'day, Mitchell. Great to be with you. It's uh, it's always great when you when you you uh you get a win when you don't even have to. We beat the buy this week. Yes, we had a solid win on the buy. So much so that we actually consolidated uh, a game inside the top four now, Richmond. Mm. So we, we we everyone else fell over, and we we are now a game clear in fourth in the top four. It's fantastic for Tigers fans. We're all up and about. We can't wait to uh, to face Sydney on Saturday and, yeah. you know, maybe turn around that that horrible loss that was a horrible footnote with the way we finished last year at, up at the SCG uh, in round 23. But mm. uh, no game to review this week, so we're just having a bit of a mid-season review. Tony Shebeki uh, will be back with us next week. Yep. But we just thought we'd recap a little bit about what the season's uh, been for us so far. Uh, where we have to go after here, highlights, lowlights, where some of our players are tracking, and uh, and we invite people to, to tweet in as well, actually, at Triger Tragics. We want to hear what your best and worst moments of the year are as well. Mm. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday. We're three days out from the, from heading to the G. Um, 1.45pm, Saturday afternoon, MCG football. Can't wait. Uh, it's really nice to be able to say we're seven and four, Carl. Very much so. And as you said, a game clear in uh, the top four is even better. It's fantastic. So ahead of us, uh, Adelaide, GWS and Geelong, we've got a percent- healthy percentage of 111, so we're not getting flogged or anything like that. No. We've had wins over Carlton by 43 points, Collingwood by 19, West Coast by 11. We smashed Brisbane by 52 points up there. Uh, came from behind against Melbourne to beat them by 13 points uh, on Anzac Day Eve. Uh, found probably made the job more difficult than it needed to be against Essendon, but beat them by 15 points. And yep. and last, uh, you know, in round uh, round 11, we were very very comfortable against North Melbourne, which I think took us all by surprise, but in a good way. Yeah. So there are seven wins. The losses, uh, only one real major loss, which uh, was to Adelaide over there, of course, in in round six, where we got absolutely belted up by 76 points. But then. Uh, losses to the Bulldogs, Fremantle and GWH, each by less than a kick that was kind of the talk of the town for the better part of three weeks here yep. in Melbourne. As it stands, uh, I think I reckon this is interesting because everyone always talks about, oh, yeah, Richmond, who have you beaten? Like, you know, we've had seven wins, but you can, look, A, you can only beat who's actually there in front of you. Yep. But it's also, I think everyone... They get they they get too quickly. They're too quick to sort of re- refer to last year's ladder when it says who have you beaten. Like yeah. at the start of the year, if you said, "Oh, who are the t- who are the key teams you need to beat?" Well, it's the Bulldogs, obviously. It's Sydney, it's Hawthorne, uh, and it's GWS. Now we have fallen short against GWS by the merest of margins. Yeah, up there as well, and up there as well. Yeah, yeah. and we and we dominated eighty percent of the game, but. The, the, those other teams, it's the the, uh, the the yardstick by which I think the the level of expectation should be judged by moves so quickly within this season. So, who we've beaten? We've beaten as the ladder stands right now at the end of round twelve. We've beaten sixth, seventh, ninth, eleventh, fifteenth, sixteenth, and eighteenth. So a couple of teams, a couple of teams hovering around that that mark where we are. Few teams below us. But my expectation is. I you you should beat the teams that are below you, yep. and I reckon the latter is usually a fair representation of the teams that you lose to are generally above you, and the teams that you lose to the teams that you beat are generally below you. Yeah, we have lost to first, we have lost to second, and we lost to eighth and tenth, being the Dogs and Fremantle. Yep. So we have, I th- I tend to think that's a 
pretty fair representation of of where we are being sitting in fourth. You know, we we did get a softer draw when you look at it a little bit, but again, you can only play who you're up against. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's do you think it's you know is it fair that people say that oh you know Richmond they're not buying into them yet they haven't really beaten anyone? No, I don't think so. I think everybody just is against Richmond as far as when they're reporting on Richmond and that always have been. It doesn't matter which reporter it is, even Richmond supporters like Caroline Wilson, our own John Ralph. Like I'm not saying that they they're always against Richmond, but you see the way they report on the club, and it's always the negative aspects, not the positive aspects, and they focus a little bit of their attention on the positive aspects. So I don't know what it is about the media, but I even notice as well Bruce McAvaney, as an example, whenever Richmond are down or which Richmond are in front, rather, there's always commentary by Bruce saying, oh, there's still time for Collingwood, or oh, there's still time for Carlton. Can they do it? It's all part of the Richmond narrative, isn't it? Yeah. We're always, I mean, we, we as a supporter base, uh, you know, we, we sort of, we ride that roller coaster where we're very quick to talk ourselves down uh, because we just, we live in this bubble of, here we've been here, we we know we can lose it from here sort of, sort of thing. Um, but, when we do get a bit of a sniff and we're up and about, there's yeah. no there's no team louder beating its chest in this town. I I think, and it's actually a really good thing for football when when you do have uh, strong Richmond crowds at the MCG, only to be heartbroken on the, on the, in the oh. first final, like oh. it's just, which is what we know. Um, the best win of the year, as we've we've I've rattled out seven there that mm. we've had so far. Which do you reckon was the best from a supporter's view? Well. I always enjoy beating Carlton round one. I wasn't. I'm not going to say it's our best win for the year, but it's always a nice way to start the year, knowing that you've knocked off Carlton round one. I think if you, yeah, it's 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 if when you lose to Carlton in round one, it sets you up for a bad year. Yeah, it's, exactly. And it's something that I know Carlton supporters are having to deal with for the last four or five years because I think we've had four or five straight of these things now. Uh, it's like you just you don't want to lose to Carlton, and we no. sure we we were comfortable or not, but I did. I had reservations about that win because we, uh, yeah, we kicked fifteen. We 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 let Carlton kick fifteen goals. We kicked nineteen or twenty and won by forty three points, but we still let them kick fifteen goals uh, against us. Which is which is, when you look at the the way we've actually trended for the rest of the year. Yeah, defensively, that's actually overs. That's way overs what we're conceding normally each week. Now I don't know if that's just you know first first round cobwebs or the like. Um, in terms of for the actual club, in terms of morale, in terms of the one, the win that got you the biggest sort of fist pump moment, what do you reckon that was? I think we've got to say North Melbourne. Yeah? I reckon. Because in my opinion, and from my perspective, the way I see it, for the say the last 10 years, North Melbourne have had players like Petrie and Harvey just to name a couple of their keys. Bloody Boomer has been terrorising us for years. Aside from round 23, in the lead up to the final series, yeah. where they rested half their team we right, and we beat them. them. It was round, I think it was 2011 we'd last beaten God them. knows when we actually mm. beat them properly, right? And it was a convincing win. So for the first time two weeks ago, we ran over the top of North Melbourne. We rubbed it in their face and said, a big stuff you. <laughs> I wanted to say I wanted to say something else there, but I'm not going to stuff you, North Melbourne, because each time we play North, I always am just like, oh, here we go, we're going to get flogged. But it was the other way around. 
we flogged them this yeah, time. Yeah, and I think that's part of the changing narrative of what Richmond's trying to do this year. Of yep. We're trying to make sure that we uh, that we, we, we actually change some of the, the things. We typically lose to Melbourne on Anzac Day Eve. We tip, you know, dream time of the G's always a 50-50. Yep. Um, Carlton, G's, no, you know, only Richmond loses to Carlton sort of thing. Yep. We've, we're ticking all these boxes along the way. For the most part, we have still found ways to lose, oh, which yeah. we'll get to. Um, for me personally, I thought I really enjoyed the Melbourne win, and yeah. I the reason for that was because Melbourne again, one of those teams like North Melbourne who've traditionally just always matched up on us really well. Yeah, and I know that there was a bit of a war of attrition with that game, and the D's did fall away, and um, and therefore it allowed us to run over the top. But it was the Richmond of old wouldn't have come. The Richmond of old would have just laid down and let them go, and the this this Richmond defensive unit managed to prevent Melbourne getting out to a 10-goal lead, mm. conceding the amount of inside 50s that they did because they just rebounded so well out of it. The ball would come in, they'd push it straight back out. You had 85,000 fans there. Yeah. You had Anzac Day Eve, the moment, yep. um, and just that wave of when I reckon we were about, oh, I think it got back to about 12 points, uh, the margin, and you just went, we're coming. Yeah. We're coming. And then we... we Jack Rewalt kicks six, big stage. For me personally, that was my favourite game. And also because I got to rub it in Ox's face. I think that was uh, just on a personal <laughs> level. Yep. Uh, he had to cop it for a week, so uh, bad luck, Oxy. But, uh, that was the, so there's varying degrees, I think, of, of, uh, of happiness, I think, for the Richmond supporters this year. I'm trying to think if, if of the three losses, because we, we all know the, the Adelaide one was the loss that actually really sort of showed yep. some deficiencies in the side yep. um, that, you know, Adelaide were at their absolute rampaging best. Yep. And, yeah, we, we, we put it up for a fight for a quarter and then they just were all over us. They spread us out really wide and they just cut us to cut us to ribbons. Yeah. The three losses by under a kick, which if you pick up today's Herald Sun, and we've been, we've been talking about this for the better part of a month, but, <laughs> uh, you know, you flip those results the other way, by all, they've done a story today in the, in the paper about if you flip all the results that have been decided by a kick or less the other way, uh, what result comes out with the ladder? And the result comes out that Richmond's on top of the ladder at 10-1. and one. Yeah. And that's the overwhelming sort of glass half empty but glass half full at the same time mm. kind of feeling is that we, 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 we're really happy with our lot at the moment, but, geez, it could have been even better. Yeah. Out of those three losses... Which one do you think uh, cut you to ribbons the most? has to be Fremantle. It has to be the Fremantle loss because in the first place, we we didn't really deserve to win that game, right? But you mentioned how great we were in the Melbourne game where you know we got it to within a couple of goals and then we ended up beating Melbourne. Sure, Melbourne were a little bit depleted. They were down on the bench and they ran out of legs in the end and we took advantage of that and beat them and beat them by a few goals. And we beat the deficit that we were in, you know, that we overcame them. But for me, the Fremantle game, usually we get to the fourth quarter when we're down by, say, five goals, and we just let it go, right? We let the our opponents win, and we leave, head to the train station early. Yeah. That's it. Game over, right? But I was at that game. It was Mother's Day, or... The yeah, day well, after yeah, Mother's no, Day. No, well, it was Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, so it was it was, Sunday afternoon. It was Mother's Day, and we decided to go as a family to the football that week and uh, to go and watch Richmond Frio. The whole day, we were shocking, right? We were shocking. Putrid. 
absolutely probably played. I mean, aside from the Adelaide game, that was our, that was actually the worst football we'd played. In fact, even. I reckon that probably was the worst football we'd played all year because we actually yeah. walked away from our game plan. At least against Adelaide, we, we for a quarter and a half, nearly a half, we were actually still doing our thing and then just a far superior team at the time yeah. uh, just t- tore it up. We weren't necessarily playing that terribly. No. Just Adelaide were all over us. Yeah. This game against Fremantle, our football was what was the reason why Fremantle were doing so well. They were we didn't want to we were unaccountable. We let Michael Walters and Brad Hill just stream around. We walked away from our game plan and mothers everywhere who went along to this game for a Mother's Day present were sitting, What the hell are you doing to me? Fremantle were just way outclassing us by a mile, by a mile. But then it got to the fourth quarter, right? And I was thinking to myself, look, if we kick a goal early, we might be in with a chance. I didn't expect to see the fourth quarter that we saw. I mean, not only did we kick the first goal, we went on to kick like four goals in five minutes. Like, I went down to the toilet, came back, and we kicked Mm -hmm. another two goals. Like, we that's probably the best quarter of football I've seen Richmond play in the last five years. To be able to have a crap day, nothing going your way, Right against Fremantle, a team we really hate playing at the MCG. Ross We're Lyon, all right over there in over at the main stadium, but at home in our own home stadium of the MCG, we always seem to crack under pressure against Fremantle of all teams. To see us come back and have such a strong quarter, that just demonstrated to me. Right, we fell short in the end narrowly because of Monday. Uh, but well, it was because of our defensive setup after that well, that allowed Monday to get it. Let's be honest, but yeah, you're right. Essentially, Monday tormented Monday, us again. He, and I was there right at the Ponsford stand. Anyway, getting to the point, we demonstrated that we can match any team in the last quarter, which matters most. And we didn't quite get there in that instance there. But to be able to come back from five goals down, that's something I hadn't seen the Tigers do in a long time. It's interesting because I actually reckon that that last quarter was almost. A little bit of a turning point again in the season. We 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 had we when we were early in the season we played the brand of football that we're playing now, but we weren't executing it as well. But we were still getting the results mm. against Melbourne, um, against Adelaide and the Bulldogs. We kind of went away from that a little bit, and you know that we, we just weren't sustaining it for 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 long enough. Against Frio, we um you know we 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 th- we threw it in a bundle. And we we literally dropped the bundle for, for for three quarters, and it was like, what is this? This is 2016 football. Yep. And then, I reckon five minutes out from three quarter time, it we clicked again. And that that last that last quarter of football, barring the last 21 seconds, was the standard we've been playing ever since. Yep. Aside, again, aside from the last 10 minutes against GWS, <laughs> but but it's it's sort of indicative, I think, of. Um, you know that we we are even when we're down and playing terrible football, we are in games. Yep. And we uh, there's a bit of debate around at the moment about the most in you know which teams are the most consistent. And yep. uh, there's an argument for Richmond because really there's only been one game we haven't been in, and even then we were in it to half time. The other teams, Melbourne, who I think, and, and even Collingwood, Collingwood's never been hasn't lost by more than four goals all year, have been in every game at three quarter time. Um, and it's something that I'm really actually proud of as a Richmond supporter yeah. at the moment. That bloody oath. I, I, I mean, in some ways, the 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 downside of that is that there are games where we are four goals clear at three quarter time, and you should be thinking, oh, we we, we should put this away. And that's yeah. why I think I'm glad you you did bring up the North Melbourne game because that was that sort of situation. Yep. We were all sitting here as Richmond supporters going, 
uh, we're gonna, you know, what happens from here? It's gonna be, but we're gonna, are we gonna make it harder work than it needs to be? And no, we actually went on with it and just and and smashed them from yeah. there. Um, my, my I, I'm sort of torn between the Frio and the GWS one as to which was was a more heartbreaking. Just context of the season, I think it's well. I think when we look back on the year, it'll probably be the Fremantle one because I look at all those other teams that we've lost to, and the rest of them are all quality opposition. And I look at Fremantle and I go. I reckon they're destined for bottom four, and um, and and therefore, when it you know it comes down to the, the losses at the end of the season, which one's going to matter the most in the scheme of things when you weigh it all up? I mean, they all matter, but which one was the was the one that you look at and went, yeah, that one was the four points that we should have definitely banked. It's this is it's definitely that one. Let's take some time now, I think, to look at some of the uh, individuals who've helped make this Richmond season so positive to start with. I think with. There's one name that springs to mind immediately, and that name is Dustin Martin. Oh, I thought you were going to say Todd Elton. No, I, I do love Todd. I've, I think he should be in the side structurally, but yeah, Dusty, Dusty's uh, he's been the star, mate. I know yeah. everyone. There's been there's been a lot of people making the work, but Dusty's ha- he's averaging thirty. He's kicking you know over a goal a game. Yeah. Um, you know, he's brown low contention again. He came third in it last year. He's up there again for it this year. He's in all the talk for all Australians. Um. Interesting tidbit, though, with Dusty. Uh, here at SEM, we have the SEN Inside Football Player Ratings, where mm. uh, every game, every player gets rated. It's actually a really unique thing. You should go and check it out at SEN.com.au. Yep. Um, but every player gets rated after every game, and and they keep a bit of a tally board across uh, the the website as to who's, like you know, if you get 10-10 sort of thing, it's almost like a Player of the Year award yep. uh, tally board. Koch is actually higher than Dusty. By the SEN player ratings. Doesn't surprise me, to be honest. I think, well, it tells me that perhaps Koch has been a little bit more consistent. Dusty had one or two games where he was a little bit down, and I think the Brisbane game, he was off, he had his groin issue. Yep. There was doubt about whether he'd get through, um, and that was against Melbourne as well. Koch has been outstanding. Yep. Um, He's returned to that sort of 2012, which we now look back at, and that's Brownlow form. It was he won a brown. Won a brown. Won a brown. Um, he looks freed up. He looks like he's he's running better. He's 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 kicking longer. He's kicking more goals too. Which yep. you know, I think that was always the knock on Trent Koch, and it was he didn't impact the scoreboard near enough for someone with his uh, bursting ability and someone yeah. with his kicking skills that he just he, he was no good in front of goal. Um, particularly for the last couple of years. Now he's kicked, uh, I think it's eight goals so far this year from 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 eleven outings. So mm. uh, he's doing his bit. Um, Jack Rewalt, your thoughts on Jack? Look, when we need a goal, usually he does kick a goal that we need, but I wouldn't say it's one of his better seasons. However, I think he's sort of stepped up as a vice captain and showed leadership where we've needed leadership. So it's kind of like when Koch first took on captain the captain role at Richmond. He was effective as a player before he was the captain, and then as soon as he became the captain, it's like he had a hell of a lot of responsibility thrown yeah. on him, which he did. I think Jack, always been a leader, is a well-known leader at the club, but taking on the vice-captain role this year, he's sort of putting that as more of a preference than kicking goals. I think you, they've almost got that set up where you've got this... Koch is the captain, but there's like three yeah. captains. You've got Rance down the back's the defensive captain, Rewall up the front's the, the forward captain, and you've got, uh, you got uh, Koch in the middle doing everything else. Mm. Um the thing I've been impressed with 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 Jack is that he's kicked twenty nine goals, but it's it's not all it's not all on him. It's only there's only been one game where he's had to kick a bag to get us over the line. Yeah, and you talk about the leadership. I read preseason he spoke about how he was so glowing of these young forward kids coming through, 
Um, and we all went, oh, yeah, turn it up. Like, oh, yeah, Richmond's going to finish 15th, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We might see the fruits in three or four years now. The, the, it's, it's the Riolis, it's the Butlers, it's the Castanias, it's the, uh, you know, we've just had Shy Bolton's in the team now. Yeah. Um, these are the people he's talking about, and he's kind of leading that whole uh, structure up there, and I think he's. I think he's thriving in it. I think it's, um, you know, if yeah, we want him to. We always want Jack to kick more goals because that's what full forwards do. Mm. Um, it's like you know, everyone wants Jeremy Howe to take more marks because it's bloody good when he does. But how does he do it? Uh, it's, I'm just, it's well, it, we might talk about that next week when we talk. We might talk when Shebex is back. Let's. I'd like to talk about Richmond High Flyers actually. I reckon that might be a good one for next week. Yeah. Um, Alex Rance uh, took a few weeks to get going. I thought. Um, mm. But now that he's into uh, you know the crux of the season, I think from about round four onwards he found his straps. I think he was like Jacob Wiedering did a pretty good job playing up forward in round one, yeah, and showed him up a bit. Um, he wasn't great against Collingwood. He wasn't really needed against um, Brisbane in round four. He was pretty good against West Coast, but um, I think since David Asprey's kind of taken that step up, he's now playing he's he's the best defender in the competition and he's got an able assistant by his by his side that's allowed him to, to do that sort of thing. Um and they're the, they're sort of the big four. Um out of the that second tier of players underneath that, who do you reckon stood up the most and showed the most improvement this year? Sean Grigg. Yeah. I reckon has been a big one that's really stood up. Not to say that he hasn't showed leadership qualities or hasn't stepped up when we've needed him to in, in past seasons, but I think this year, out of all the seasons he's been at Tigerland, he's actually really stood up and showed that he is a leader. And I know that he was quite close to Brett Deledio. I think they even had a business outside of the football club as well together. So since Lids has left, it's sort of allowed Grigg to step up a little bit and really demonstrate that he does have strong leadership qualities in him. And hey, when we've needed a goal, he's stepped up and kicked that goal, I reckon. And he's also sort of shown a little bit of direction to the younger players that we've got, you know, to set up the ball along half forward with Castagna and Butler off the run, even short coming off the half back line to sort of run the ball into the four line and set up for another goal. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think that's, he's sort of indicative of that whole. Whenever football clubs are wanting to improve, I mean, Geelong had the same debate this year. It was all about, you know, they had their stars and we've got our stars here. It was a case yeah. of that second tier coming up, which had, which we'd done in previous years, but they clearly fell away last year and they had to sort of regenerate them a little bit. And I remember, you know, like you, we talk at the end of last year, Grigg gets re-signed, Hooley gets re-signed, and we go, what? Yeah, exactly. Why, why are they re-signed? Like, yeah. they, they, we thought they were part of the problem and they're actually part of the solution, which I think has caught a lot of Richmond supporters off guard. Um, and, you know, David David Asprey, who we mentioned before, you yep. know, he's people, you know, I, I think it might be a little bit over the top, but some people are saying all Australian squad contention. And I go, mm. you know, there's probably a, there's probably half a dozen ahead of him, but he's 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 a far better player than I think we all gave him credit for this time last year. And yeah. just the way he's developed and having Rance there beside him do, to, to allow that has probably been a, um, a key part of that. And the other one who I think we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago deserves some credit is Brandon Ellis. Yep. Gone to halfback, playing a lot better, um, using the ball a lot, a lot better, more meters gained, and then that sort of leads us into, um, you know, every to every year new to, new players come into the team, and um, we've got a few new fresh faces this year, and I think we've all fallen in love with a couple of them, and none more so than big big Nank Tony Nankervis, 
who has become a star in the space of you know eleven games. He'd played nothing. He'd barely played anything for Sydney um, in the years he'd been there. Could we had fallen fourth in line in their ruck chain behind Tippett, uh, Naismith, and Callum Sinclair. Yep. And then there was Nate Curvis. Got him for a third round pick. He's come in and he's just absolutely blown the competition apart. He legitimately is in all Australian contention. Yeah. Um, probably won't make the cut. There's a few ahead of him, I think. But in terms of the conversation, he's certainly a part of that. He's like another midfielder out there who's 205 centimetres tall. Agreed. Yeah, he is. He's um he's his kicking ability is sublime. He gets in the right spots. He's you know he kind of follows that Ivan Maric mould a little bit in that he doesn't. He's he's not a he's not a clever tap ruck, but he's not putting down people's throats. But he makes the contest, and in the, you know, in in terms of being an endurance ruckman, he's running around still in the fourth quarter. He burnt Todd Goldstein up in that North Melbourne game. He mm. was done by half time, and Nate was like, "Come after me, come to me." And he's only twenty one <laughs> or twenty two years old. This is yeah. the ridiculous thing. Yeah, he's quite young, but at the same time. You know, we had Hampson fill the void last year when we needed a ruckman. Obviously, Ivan Marriage is getting on with age, and there was a lot of discussion whether or not Ivan would be at the club this year. Fortunately, I think he signed a one-year renewal contract just for this year. But we all know that Marriage his days are done. I think as a as a number one ruckman, well, he's basically a VFL playing coach, yeah, really, basically, and maybe has the potential to be our senior ruck coach for the AFL next year. I reckon it'd be a real shame if he wasn't utilised at the club from after this year. I think, given his cousin. Uh, Soldo is coming through. That would be a really wise move yeah. as someone that he can sort of develop with that with those guys. And um, you know, Hampson, we don't. Hampson's essentially been ruled out for the year with a back injury. Yeah, uh, we don't know. We don't really know what his future holds beyond this year um, because. You know, we 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 will. I'll bring this up now. Kurt Tippett is the name that's now floating around in terms of we've had this conversation about yeah. the need for a for a second tall forward. And yeah, I know some people say yes, some people say no. I personally sit in the no department because I think yeah. I think of him as a ruck forward, not a forward ruck. Mm. Um, if if he can prove to the football world in the Neefel, because that's where he's playing at the moment. <laughs> Um, that he can clunk some marks and kick some goals and then just chop out. I mean, that was the whole reason Nan Curvis ended up at Richmond because Tippett was doing so well in the ruck up there that he, he, he'd yeah. fallen so far behind. Nan Curvis is now killing it. And what are we going to do if we, 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 we're clearly not going to spend 700000 on Tippett? But let's say we get him for, you know, 350000 400 uh, you know, and we, and we, we want to play him at centre half forward and you're going to chop out, he's going to chop out with Nan Curvis. In the ruck, what happens if Tippett doesn't do very well? Suddenly, we start having to accommodate Kurt Tippett, and we start having to play him in the ruck. And then Toby Dane Curvis, who's doing really well, is suddenly out of the team again. I don't think that helps anyone. Yeah, the answer for us is not to recruit someone like Tippett. Okay, if we went back two years ago, right, where we didn't have Nan Curvis and we needed somebody such as a Tippett, I was thinking about actually having Tippett in our side and a difference it would make. Going back to when, you know, marriage was getting on a little bit, Hampson was touch and go, and we needed another sort of forward ruck rotation, which Nan Curvis has now filled somewhat. Yeah. Uh, I would have said, right, Tippett's not a bad investment. We should have a look at him. But now that we have Nan Curvis, I think if we bring a high-profile player such as Tippett to the club, it would just cause a little bit of, you know... Uh, a bit of a muck around within the playing group. I, I don't think I'll be. I think there'll be a couple of too many personalities. Yeah, kind of like, all competing for the same yeah, spot. Yeah, and the because the, the the key the key word in it for me is we need a forward, not a ruck forward. Not, not you know we need we need yeah. so, so we need we need a forward who can go and have it. We we need we need a Ben Griffiths type 
with a lot more reliability than Ben Griffiths, who's you know maybe in that maybe a little bit more uh, down the track in terms of development. You know, like I, yeah. I, I, you know, Jared Ruffhead's kind of been the prototype of that over the years. And you know, we don't, we don't, we, we Jared Ruffhead, he's a superstar. But that's the that that's the mold of the role of what of what this this team needs. Yeah, I don't know that Tippett necessarily fits the bill. Nah. particularly and may and he might come at a price too. That's the other thing. I'm yeah. not really enthused about nah, that. No. Nah. Um, you mentioned Jack Darling off air before that he's someone that you know could potentially find his way to punt road. Yeah, well, funny you should mention that. We had a call last night during um, Finey's hour, the hard hitters with Campbell Brown, and somebody mentioned that Daniel Rioli and Jack Darling in a straight switch would be great. There's no way known that we're going to get rid of Daniel Rioli in the first place. Jack Darling would be a nice suit. But the other name that I throw in that has also been discussed is Levi Casbolt from Carlton. Out of contract. Out of contract. And he, he yeah, and he's in that, I think he's 27 at the moment. And look, yeah. he actually gets a bad rap for his kicking. Yeah. And that sounds that sounds like a Richmond supporter who'd like to recruit him just trying to talk him up. Exactly. But he actually does, he legitimately does get a bad rap for his kicking. He's, he's kicking's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah. He is a genuine uh, Mark Clunker. Which is what you want exactly, and he can go in the ruck for a little bit. He's uh, you know, and he probably doesn't come at a massive cost. It all no. comes, it all comes down to him, I think, as as to whether, um, you know, the the whether the winds of change at Carlton want him there now, or they decide that you know what we actually need to we need to go another step back to go forward, and you know you're not the answer sort of thing. Yeah, um, but as long as Liam Jones is killing it down back for them, and they, there's an extra spot for him up forward. So look, he's someone who yeah he he fits that build. I don't think he'd be too expensive either. No, um, uh, Dion Prestia is a name who came to the club. He was the highest profile recruit we got. Yep. Your expectations of him moving forward for the rest of the season, and how have you seen the way he started this year? Started a bit slow. I mean, still demonstrated that he's got a lot to bring to the club, I think, and also demonstrated that he's going to be a Tiger for the rest of his career. Yeah. Same goes with Caddy. They're going to be Tigers for the rest of their career. At least we think so anyway. Well, they're best mates. They're I mean, best that's mates, thing. yeah. yeah. Um, I, he, he had his best game in, again, the North Melbourne win. And that was, Agreed. And yeah. that was, I think, part of the reason why that North Melbourne win was so... Was, we, we, you know, more parts clicked, so to speak, in the whole thing. We just need to buy Shy, Galt, Shy Bolton a goal. Poor oh. bloke. Poor bloke's <laughs> jinxed. He is. he is jigs. Um, Dion Prestia, I, I, th- I, th- I think he's you know as much as they wanted to say, I oh, know he's right for everyone. I don't reckon he was a hundred percent right to no, go with. He, I think he still battles soreness yeah. here and there. Um, you know, you've seen him train away from the group sometimes. It happens. Uh, he's 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 taken a little bit to get going. He had a couple of weeks out. Um, I think Josh Caddy has slowly progressed with each week. He's, you know, I think I think when Richmond supporters. Saw him coming into the club. We all thought he was going to be another bona fide, like tough inside mid. And I think he's sort of, he's more that half forward who can run through a little bit. And yeah. keep, but for for me, I, the measurement I have of Josh Caddy is whether he's laying, laying tackles and kicking goals. Mm. And if he's doing that, I think he's got a very valuable place in the team. And going in for those hard, you know, put, putting his body on the line in those some of those contests. I think he's in the last month or so he's really stepped that up. Um, the other the other new face who we hadn't seen until this year, is Dan Butler, who last week was the NAB Rising star for round 11. Uh, he'd been on the list for a couple of years, but had, had never got a full pre-season under his belt. Finally gets his chance this year. And, we, we, you know, combined with uh, Castagna, who we had a little bit of a look at last year, and, and Daniel Rioli, uh, and now Shy Bolton as well, they've um, they've completely changed the whole makeup of this football club's forward line. We all... 
You know, we all with that. We, 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 the debate last year was can you play Griffiths, Jack Rewalt, and uh, Ty Vickery all in the same side because, you know, three tools. Now, we, we, you know, one's enough. Yeah. Well, my theory on this is I reckon, obviously, during the offseason, the whole lot of the staff that are responsible for our list and our game plan got together and, and had to think of what we as a club can do to sort of change the way the game is played in the next season. Because if you look at it, how many other clubs utilize small forwards and basically have their four lines surrounding small forwards? There's not many of them. No. Um, there's, I mean, in terms of the mix, there's, there's, you know, I look at Essendon who've got, they've got a couple of them, but they've still got a couple of tools up there yeah. in Danaher and, and, uh, and Kyle Hooker. And they occasionally rotate a couple of them through there. I think, um, you know, I think that there was a, a decision was made uh, with all this, where uh, for structural reasons we felt like we had to play a Soldo or a uh, or a Todd Elton, you know, or you know, be, it was Griff, Griff, Griffiths, ideally, who yeah. um, you know we we'd love to see you out there, Ben. If you get if you get yourself right, we'd love to see you back out there because we Let's think hope you so, yeah. be, because we think you can be a star, mate. Um, no, and no, if no, not, no, we don't think he can be a star. He is a star. He's demonstrated yeah. it. We if um yeah. Uh, if you can get yourself right, we'd love to see you out there. Exactly. Uh, if not, you know your health's the all you know the main important thing here. So mm. the issue is that I think there was a decision where we were we were playing a Soldo or a uh, or an Elton just to give that extra chop out for the ruck, which we feel like we need. And they've actually made a conscious decision to go. You know what? If the player isn't up to the standard of that role required, we just we don't play them. We play a player who who might not fit that mould, but is of the standard required, and that's why um, you know we, we've we've gone we've gone smaller. We're getting more inside fifty entries, and I think that's the key thing about when you talk about the the two planks of why this team's doing so well this year. It's that clear shifting game plan where defensively we're a lot more sound. Uh, we're structuring a lot, a lot more defensively, and it's and and our forward defence is a lot better through pressure. So. You know, you look at that, and part of that is because of the Mosquito Fleet who just terrorise opponents and perceived pressure is a big thing now where you might you might have the ball and you you think you're under the pump, but you actually you might actually not because there's that many players around around and, and actually creating the contest um, that it just it, it makes you make mistakes and it forces turnovers and it allows us to kick goals. Um, you know, we're only conceding, we're conceding 80 points a game, which I think second lowest in the comp. Uh, so we're, we're on the, if you were to put the ladder of four and against in terms of points, we're, we're 17th in terms of points against, as in like it's the lowest number. Yep. I, know, I made that sound more confusing than it need to be, but mm. we're, we're, <laughs> we're number two for, for, we're number two for least points conceded. Yeah, which is good, which is great, um, and that's testament to Rance and and everyone really on the on the field, but t- but essentially the, the trio at the back of Rance, uh, Asprey and Grimes. Yeah, we're then uh, we our inside fifty count has gone through the roof compared to last year. Oh god, yeah, and be part of that is because of these guys. The ball comes in, pressure, keep it up there, comes back out, turnover, straight back in. The issue, and this is where which probably leads us into where we have room for improvement moving forward for the rest of the season is we are only scoring 89 points a game based on, you know, nearly 60 entries a game. Mm. Now you compare that to other teams. That's, that's not a good enough hit rate in terms of the scoreboard uh, pressure. You know, there's a a part of the reason we found ourselves in these positions where we lost these tight games was because 
uh, was because we didn't hit the scoreboard hard enough. We had, we missed opportunities. Yeah, we turned. We you know we we didn't get the free kick away when we when we needed to get it. That is a for me. That's the that's the biggest thing we need to improve for the second half of the season moving forward. Yep. Um, and you know I think Dion De- Prestia has a bit of room to improve as well for the second half. They're probably the two main things. What do you think? Where do you think we need to really be working on for the for the rest of the season to be able to be in Tip-top shape for finals. I reckon our efficiency when we enter inside Ford 50, like every time we kick into our 50, we just, you know, we might get a mark, but our efficiency in front of goals is atrocious. Like if we had have kicked however many more goals than points, we would have won those narrow games easily. And I've said this across pretty much every podcast we've done. Our accuracy in front of goal is just atrocious. Yeah. Because, you know, we've we've lost three games by less than a kick. And if we had have kicked a couple more goals, like Jack's missed set shots, you know, Lloyd's tried to do some fancy stuff at times and missed. If we had have just looked for shorter options in front of goal that were closer, we could have converted. And those games that we lost by a goal or two, uh, a goal, we could have won by a goal or two. So, yeah, that's a big thing we've got to work on, I think, in the and, second half of the season. And that gets us to, I don't know if you, if Glenn Luff, uh, the Sherpa from Champion Data on, and Pure Footy, had a, yep. there's like a, a formula they said was like the premiership formula. And, and part of that is you, you need to be scoring 100 points a game and you don't want to concede, I think it's anymore, 87. Right. Um, the dogs actually blew that apart, that theory apart last year. But for the most part, that was that's how premiers have been decided. Yeah. So you are right. We 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 like in terms of the uh, the defense defensively, we're in that that mark. But we just need a cup, two more goals a game. That we're not we're not, we're not asking for to be millionaires. We just need to convert two more opportunities a game. Yeah. And that puts us right in that in that sort of frame of mind. We do have a couple of players to come back into the team. Um, in terms of where our best twenty two is settled at the moment, and Nick Vloston looks like he should be back. Uh, potentially this week. They may feel like they need to give him another run in the VFL. Um, and uh, Reese Conker is still, I think, on the long-term injury list. Might surface again later at the at the back end of the year. But he, 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 his form in those early rounds before he got injured was kind of indicative again of of the form spike of everyone. Because again, we, we, we like we re-signed him, and I went, why are we re-signing Reese Conker? Yeah. And he was when I look back through the list of some of the drafts, uh, you know, the the draft. First round draft picks, in particular, we've taken in the last ten years. He's the one I look at and go, "Oh, we took." You know, he he went. I think it was pick six, and what it meant when you know everyone. I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you know this isn't tambling, Franklin. This is it was Heppel and Tom Lynch. I think went after him. Mm. Tom Lynch from, yeah, from Gold Coast. I think so, Tom yeah. Lynch would be handy at Richmond right now. Oh, very much so. Just like um, Buddy Franklin would be handy at Richmond yeah, right now. But but he but he proved his worth. He he they I, I I don't think he was on big money or anything to start. I think I think they he tested the market a bit and said I'll I'll you know yeah. I'll, I'll gladly stay if you'll have me. Uh, showed some real class coming off that half back back pocket. Uh, setting up getting the transition going when he actually went out of the team. That's we kind of fell away a little bit there, which um. I never thought I'd be saying that, but I'd like to see Reese Conker back in the team if uh, if injury permits. So yeah, I reckon so, he he's a hard hitter. He is like he he goes in in the contest and he doesn't really care how hard he goes in. He just he goes at the ball when we need a, a real sort of physical player. For me, I've always seen Conker as a player that really attacks the ball, goes in, and doesn't care if he gets clobbered. Like there's been more than one. Occasion. He's a little bit like Daniel Jackson. 
I reckon. I see similarities between the two of them. Like, not just the hair colour? No, not just the <laughs> hair colour. Like, we really should have given him number 23 uh, when Jacko retired. No, nah. mm. but look, I, I think he's sort of that player. As soon as Daniel Jackson moved on, Conker sort of stood up into that sort of similar role. Yeah. Not quite to the same extent as Dan Jackson, but... Along those lines. I think he, I think Conker lost a lot of fans a couple of years ago when he punched Devin Smith in the back of the head, yeah. which was a cheap shot. And a lot of people, um, you know, no one likes to think of career-defining moments, but up until this year, that's what he was going to be remembered for, unfortunately. It's kind of like, though, when Vickery punched Cox, you know? Yeah, yeah. and Similar. Yeah, he, and the, funny you mentioned that, because he was in the form of his life, Ty Vickery, in he that was. couple of weeks. And then yeah. he did that, and then... That's it. That was the uh, t- turn, turning point again, and he hasn't been he hasn't played near as well since, unfortunately. And he's not getting a game at Hawthorne, so you know, I, sp- I suppose Richmond fans had two other wins. I know we're seven and four at the moment, but we've had two other wins, and that is Tyrone Vickery going for, as a free agent, where we got a second round draft pick, and uh, Brett Delidio being traded to GWS, and we've got two first round picks this year, picking one up in that trade as a result. And he doesn't look like getting out in the field at all. So it looks like we might have dodged a bullet there um, with Brett Delidio if we had hung on to him. Instead, here we are. You know, we've got we've got all this improvement in the team, and suddenly we're going to have two first round picks in the draft next year, which just allows us to either a use those picks into into great development, or you know what, let's take one to market and try and try and pluck someone out and and trade someone in using that as bait because that's why you have them. You use them as currency. Um, I want to. We were talking off air about uh, the expectation for the rest of the season moving forward and where we're going to finish and what you, how you think we're going to finish. So we're currently seven and four, and just to give um, some based on ladder positions, I won't name the teams. Uh, you can probably work it out for yourself, but uh, these are the ladder positions we have to play as the ladder stands right now for the rest of the year. We fourteenth, sixteenth, fifth, twelfth, eighteenth. Second, thirteenth, seventeenth, third, tenth, and twelfth. Twelfth again. So, three top eight teams out of eleven games. Mm. How many should we be winning? Eight. In, in such an, it's it is an even season, but eight. Yeah. So eight. So I reckon. I, I I don't think we could get away with winning six. I mean, we probably could pass with six, but I think it's it would be reasonable to win eight games at the very. Uh, least, yeah. I, I'd like to see eight games on the board, another eight wins. Well, eight games gives us gives you a fifteen and seven finish, which is what we season, need. Which is top four. Yeah, we need. If that. we're gonna if we're gonna be top four, that's what we should be aiming yep. for. Um, it'll be. I'll be interested to see the next month. Uh, it just because I reckon the the next month's the crucial one. We've got we've got Sydney this week, and we'll yep. talk about that in a second. Uh, we have Carlton again, and Carlton. Uh, we, yeah, we we gave them a good baking in round one, but. They're not easy beats at the moment. I mean, but every game they've been in, aside from round one, has really been a tussle for, for, for the opposition. Um, then we have Port Adelaide over in Port Adelaide. And then we have St Kilda at Etihad. Now those, for, for me, we could, lose, we could win all four of them and we could lose all four of them. I just, I just, just based on matchups and the like, the, the, I think if we, if we are legitimately going to contend to be a top four team, this is where you bank games and you start clearing out from the rest of the comp. From my observations, I think Hardwick came out a couple of weeks ago and made a comment and said, we're still not playing our best football. Yeah. We're still not playing our best football. 
So I don't know about you, but I get excited by a statement like that because I can see that this year, this is really the Tigers of new. Like, I mean, we made three consecutive final series, but what do we do? We bowed out because, in my opinion, we had too many mature age recruits. Right? We didn't have yeah. the youth and the actual investment in young talent. And I think that's something that we realized in the offseason. We've got to utilize our young talent, right? And we are the Tigers of New that has the potential in the second half of the season to win eight games, to be 15 and seven at the end of the season when it matters most, and finish in the top four like we're, we've been saying the last five years that we will do. And I know that the, uh, the pessimistic people out there will say, oh, that just allows Richmond an opportunity to lose in straight sets rather than just bow out immediately. We can lose in two weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, you're right about the, the, you talk about the kids. This time last year, it might have even been earlier than but in, but it was last year, it, might, it was after one of the losses where everyone went, oh, geez, Richmond's lost that one. Uh, Damien Harbick said in a, in a press conference post-match, he said, oh, we've got to take two, you know, we've got to take one step back, two steps forward. We've got all these kids that are so excited. I'm so excited about them. You haven't seen them yet. And you know what? What? Where are we? Uh, when they get an opportunity, it's going to be fantastic for everyone. And everyone went, oh, "What are you talking about, Dimmer? What are you talking about? Where are these kids?" And now we, we're seeing it. We're actually seeing it in practice. We took the one step back. We're going two steps forward. Um, I'm really looking forward to the second half of the season. I'm nervous as all hell about it. Same, yeah. Um, and that leads us into Saturday, MCG, Sydney Swans, one forty-five. You know, Sam Lloyd, the Sam Lloyd special, we'll call it, because he, he, this corresponding game last year, he could go after the siren, obviously, to win the game. Yep. Uh, Sydney went on to play in a grand final. Uh, they pantsed us in round 23 by 120-odd points. Mario from Doncaster threw up on himself in an infamous phone call. Yep. Um, how do you feel going into this one? Are you confident? Are you nervous? Are you 50-50? Not confident, not nervous. Probably 50-50. I mean, you would think that we'd get over the line at the MCG against Sydney, considering where we are this year, where we're at. It's kind of been a reversal if you look at the table. Like this time last year, Sydney were around the top four and we were sort of near the bottom. This year, we're in the top four and they're close to the bottom. And they're 14th. The, you, it's, we're, we're fourth. They're 14th. They're going in his favourite. Would you believe that? I can, but I can't at the same time. I think everyone's bank Like the bookies... Or the people who are spending with the boogie. So that's their, their crown bet odds uh, currently at the moment. Uh, Richmond, $2. Uh, uh, Sydney, $1.82. That's, that's, that's on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Um, I think people are banking on the Sydney of old. Sydney, for my Sydney, are wishy washy. You don't yeah. know this year. I mean, like they they they're trading purely on reputation. There, yeah, they had a great win last week against the Bulldogs. But look at what that happened to the week before against uh, against Hawthorne. And Hawthorne aren't very good. In fact, no. Hawthorne are Hawthorne this year. Um, <laughs> so you just and you know this is a Sydney team that lost to Carlton at the MCG. Yep. Yet pants and killed her at um, at Eddie Had. You do not know what you're going to get, and that's why I, I suppose I go in a little bit nervous because if this if the Sydney of the majority of the season turns up, we should absolutely run riot. We should our pressure game will be all over, and they and, and we'll go to water. They showed last week though against the Dogs that their pressure game is back, and that's where I I worry. I go, you know what? They might they might just you know cl- click back into Premiership mode. Yeah, I'll say this though: Sydney and the Bulldog and the Bulldogs are not the same teams that they were last year. No. I'm telling you right now. Again, going back to what I said before, it's almost like the scenario has flipped. 
So Richmond have become a team that have been consistent across the board. Okay, we lost a couple of games, but we still play consistent football. The only two games where we've been inconsistent, as we've mentioned, is the Adelaide game and the Fremantle game, where we just didn't look like the team that we are today, the Tigers of New. So... We're going to bring our best football this weekend. I mean, we might not, but I think we will. Well, I hope that the the buy doesn't hurt that because you know some teams some teams respond differently to the buy. Some come back recharged and fire it up and and like a bull at a gate. And others they're just a little bit slow to get back the momentum. Sydney had the buy the week before, so they've 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 got their back into their groove after the buy having played the dogs last week. They've got, they've got nine, a nine-day break. They played Thursday night football. I mean, so it's it's kind of even ledger here in some ways. Um, I'm tipping Richmond to win by a goal. Tony Shebeki, who's not with us today, is tipping Sydney by 10 goals because that's, yep. that's the new norm for Shebeks. What do you think, Carl? I'm just tipping us to win. That's my theory now. I don't tip us by a margin. I just tip us to win. Tip us to win. Tip us to win. And we'll go to eight and four. Well, that's been uh, this has been the Tiger Tragics mid-season review. We're back to normal programming as of next week, where we'll have a game to review and all the little tidbits out there. One last little note before we go: we might have another Rioli. Yes, Morris Rioli Jr. So, what number does he wear? Good question. Well, you said a little earlier that you reckon that Daniel, obviously still going to be around, might go to his cousin Cyril's number thirty-three. Three and just say I'll have that one. And, and Morris uh, Rioli Jr. will take seventeen. Who wears? Is it Camden McIntosh currently wears thirty three? Yeah, he does. So he has to. So he has to jump ship to something else. But we're talking about Morris Rioli Jr. He's a prospect that won't be playing AFL football till two thousand and twenty one yet. So a few years yet before we even. I tell you keep what, an eye Richmond in. fans just hearing the name Morris Rioli potentially being in a Richmond oh. jumper again. <sighs> And apparently there's vast similarities already between him and his late father. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> like, as in, looks similar, plays similar, doesn't quite have the speed and is a little light on, obviously, figure-wise, because he's only 14, hasn't even turned 15 yet. But uh, Shifter Sheen has uh, got big raps for him so far. Let's load up. I can't wait for 2022. Bring Not it on. Way. Here comes the grand final. Let's bring it on. <laughs> this has been Tiger Tragics. We'll catch you next week. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! The Tiger of all, the strong and we're Time!